you guys even uh, remember this voice? I don't Wait, think so. Tell us who you are. This is Neil from Information Security News. Who are you? This is Stuart. It is Monday, June 15th. We are, I guess I would say back. You know, we, st- <laughs> we still <laughs> got to figure things out. See how, how COVID is still running. <laughs> These streets. Yeah, we finally were able to get back in the studio. A lot has happened. Um, you know, we've been missing because I actually ended up getting COVID and Stuart was scared. So he pretty much exiled me for <laughs> a month and a half. And now that I've donated and I've tested negative three times, he's finally, you know, able to meet me back in the studio again. I'm not even going to lie. I'm going to tell him I had to take your temperature before you <laughs> walk in here. <laughs> this is how serious it is. So, guys, please do not play around with COVID. It's a serious thing. Wear your mask, wear your hand sanitizer. Um, keep that thing on you at all times, you know? And by that thing, do you mean hand sanitizer? You know it. All right, so some of the topics we're going to be discussing today, well, specifically topic one is related to COVID. So as you know, COVID is still running these streets. There are malicious apps that are posing as contact tracing apps, but are they actually trying to infect your Android devices? So we'll get into a little bit of that more later. Topic two, um, this one is all for you, for you gamers out there. So the Nintendo Switch yes. was reportedly hacked. Nearly 300,000 Nintendo Network ID accounts were compromised. I've never played so much Mario Kart as much as I've played in quarantine. So (laughs) if you want to play me and lose, definitely I'll send out my Switch account at the end of this. And the last topic, topic number three. This one is actually some good news. White hat hackers are fighting back to protect healthcare networks in this pandemic. As we all know, healthcare institutes are the key to surviving COVID. So this is a good thing that white hat hackers are doing to keep those institutes more or less untouchable. It's so hard for you to say white hat hackers. I know. I had to say it a little slow. <laughs> you caught that, huh? <laughs> Good job on the topics. All right. Let's go ahead and go to topic number one then. No, no, no. Let's wait. Let's wait. Let's, t- let's take a step back here. So <laughs> you said you had COVID. You said you donated. What did you donate? Money? Like, tell us what you did. So I caught COVID back at the end of March and I had it for roughly nine days. So I had what they said was a severe case of COVID and one of the hospitals here in Georgia reached out to me to do donations and I donated my plasma so it takes about an hour to do that and they pretty much hook you up to like three tubes and then you donate and then they give you like a COVID survivor t-shirt and then you're out of there but they do test you so they test you once when you go they you know I got tested on my own and then I had tested positive so I was in isolation for three and a half weeks and then two weeks after that, they reached out to me and I was able to go donate some plasma. Hopefully save someone's life. Oh, wow. Do you know how you came in contact with COVID? Yeah, I caught COVID from going to a grocery store and I knew something was really off that day, but I thought it was allergies. And then when I came home, it felt a little weird. And then I was like, oh, you know what? I'll be able to sleep this off. And then I woke up the next day and like I had body aches. I was congested, coughing, headache, burning eyes. And I was like, okay, this doesn't feel normal. So I called around and no one could do the testing because I did it back in March where this was still like kind of, you know, new to everyone. So I finally was able to get a test and then they ended up losing my test results, I I feel like. And then they called me like seven days after they were supposed to for the initial results. So it was a lot of back and forth. And then, you know, hydroxychloroquine, that was a big thing. And then people were telling me to take that. So I took a bunch of medicine and, you know, eventually just fought through it. But... It's not, it's not easy. I will say that. Well, that's good. Glad you're back to your, I would say, normal self, even though I'm, I'm still keeping my six feet, six feet distance away. I'm in a hazmat suit in the studio right now. 
but yeah, it's you, you, you definitely got to isolate. That's one of the key things. Once you feel that type of sickness and, you know, you need to stay away from everybody so you don't infect more people. But I have the antibodies now. So if you, if you need the antibodies, <laughs> I got you for the low, you know. All right. Before we lose some listeners with, with your COVID <laughs> stories, let's jump back to topic one. <laughs> so topic one was the Android devices, which were, you know, getting pretty much spoofed in a way from these malicious apps posing as COVID-19 contact tracing apps. And I'm sure everybody's heard of this right now. You know, contact tracing is a big thing. They're trying to figure out how, if someone is affected, how they can trace back to, you know, let the other people know and warn them about they might be possibly you know, infected with COVID because they came in contact with someone with COVID. Now, this app is really infiltrated in countries like Asia, Europe, South America, I'm sure here as well, there's 12 fake apps that were detected as a um, app that was targeting citizens, which were all through like India, Colombia, Indonesia, Iran, Italy, Russia, Singapore. Now, once these apps are installed on your device, the malware will be able to monitor and steal your banking credentials as well as personal data. In particular, two types of malware that have been downloaded by these apps are Anubis. Anubis is an Android banking trojan that accesses your infected device and steals your credentials. The second one is SpyNote. This one is another trojan that gathers and monitors data on your device. So these fake apps are imitating a Brazilian government tracking app. So this is an official app that they're imitating. Um, so once installed, they'll ask for certain per privileges and permissions. Then it'll quietly run on the background unnoticed. Boom. Okay, so after all that, what you would call these type of people would be threat actors. And these threat actors, they are global. Not only are they in Brazil, but some of the other countries that I mentioned earlier. There's also a larger gr uh, group that was found in Libya. And these Libyans were subsequently trying to access photos, media files, device locations, as well as permissions to take photos and record videos on the mobile devices. Now, this group said that they'll have a single app, which is, you know, gonna be based with all the, the malware, and then it's gonna spread to tens of thousands of other infected apps. Then it will impersonate all the well-known apps that you're used to, and then latch onto those apps for their intended targets as well. To add to that, as more countries start contact tracing, we could see a rise in malicious apps. But as we found out, none of these apps were ever on Google Play Store, but they were actually distributed via third-party apps. Uh, Tim Red McKay, flag. <laughs> Tim McKay, a principal security strategist, did say that these contact tracing apps are trending towards Bluetooth connections. So it is likely that apps are going to be asking for more permissions to your devices. And then one thing to notice, if you are asked for access to your camera or your phone or any other file, then this is a clear indication that this app is malicious. Okay, so it sounds like with the rise of these contact tracing apps, there's going to be a lot of fake malicious apps that, which are going to be tied to them. So back to Stuart's point saying that make sure you do not download from a third party. Download from the app store. Make sure it is a verified app. Check the developer which you're downloading from or even the Google Play Store. I think a lot of people think they trust all the apps which are in the Google Play Store, which is not necessarily the smartest way of going about it. That's why I'm glad I got my Apple phone. And Apple well, phone? You got an Apple phone? <laughs> like it's the shape of an Apple? <laughs> my iPhone a, is what I meant. This man got an Apple phone. I was too excited for the next topic. <laughs> um, so I guess jumping into the next topic, do you own a Nintendo Switch? I do. 
So the reason why I bring this up is because Nintendo users were hacked. Back on April 21st of this year, Paul Tassi published a warning from Nintendo Switch saying that accounts were being hacked. Then three days later, Nintendo confirmed that 160,000 Nintendo network IDs were compromised by the way of unauthorized logins. Wait, what do you mean by unauthorized logins? Like, you know, they were not authorized to log in. Oh, just making sure. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Nintendo has now confirmed the actual number of gamers who've had their accounts illegally accessed by these hackers was actually not 160,000, but more like 300,000. Oh, my God. It just keeps getting worse. So you mentioned that Nintendo Switch accounts were hacked. So does that mean Nintendo itself was hacked? I'm a little confused. Can you explain that? Yeah. yeah. So this was only a part of Nintendo's, I guess, infrastructure, you could say. It was just the Nintendo network IDs tied to the Nintendo accounts, but Nintendo itself wasn't hacked. So the good news is that Nintendo stated only less than 1% of the potentially compromised accounts were used to make these fraudulent transactions. Now, Nintendo hasn't refunded or is in the process of doing so for any of these customers. Nintendo is still doing some research on trying to figure out how this all happened, but one of the things they are encouraging is to use two-factor authentication, this would provide an additional layer of security. During the investigation, in order to deter further attempts of unauthorized sign-ins, they are indicating that they will not be releasing any more information in order to prevent those future hacks. But they are reassuring users that there's currently no evidence pointing towards any breach of Nintendo's database service or, or services. All that means is it's safe to use your Nintendo Switch, so I'll be on there later tonight if anybody wants to play on Mario Kart. I'll, sit, I'll put my switch code in the description of our podcast for today if you want this smoke. So word on the streets is that you're trash at Nintendo Switch. You, what you, what, <laughs> what, what you need streets? to be doing <laughs> is you need to stop playing these games <laughs> and get on board with these white hat hackers and join what they're doing. All right, boomer. <laughs> no, but you have a valid point. White hat hackers are defending hospitals from the cyber attacks since we're seeing a lot of increase on... COVID-19 pandemic, cyber attacks against hospitals, and just the healthcare organization as a whole. So there are groups like the CTI League and the Cyber Alliance that have joined forces um, and actually have thousands of volunteers around the world, around, around the, the world, world, around the world. <laughs> which are helping with recent cyber attacks. So CTI's goal is to define and defend against phishing attacks and tackling any misinformation. The main purpose of these groups is to work with People like the CISA, also the FBI or Department of Homeland Cybersecurity to make sure that healthcare organizations are able to organizations are able (laughs) to see you making fun of me (laughs) are able to sustain their infrastructure and, you know, operate as needed and not have attacks while they're trying to service their customers or patients for that matter. But this is good. This is a good way to end our podcast since it's been quite some time. You know, we've been kind of. MIA, but we're back on it now. So you'll be hearing a lot more from us back to our normal schedule program like usual. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. And we'll catch you. uh, Wait, you're ready to leave the studio. Wait, how much did they charge you today? You are in a rush. You forgot about the topics. Time (laughs) is money. Okay, time is money. So yeah, we definitely need to do the recap. I'll let you go ahead and take that on since you brought it up. So topic one, we talked about the malicious apps that are posting as contact tracing apps. So be mindful of those apps if you are to download one. Topic two, 
is the Nintendo Switch. Um, I know Neil said he's been playing a lot, so bang, follow bang. him or go play with him. Skirt, skirt. And then topic three was some good news. White Hat hackers are fighting against cyber attacks. Thank you for the wrap-up. I really appreciate it. You know, one last thing. I just want to... Something that we, we, we feel strongly about and we do care about. We have a lot of friends. We even have some family. So there's been a lot going on in the news. You know, protests, media, everything. We definitely do support Black Lives Matter. We, you know, feel strong about the movement as well. We know this isn't related to the topics we discussed today, but information security news stands strong behind the Black Lives Matter movement. Information security news is independently operated by Stu and Neil. Everything you're about to hear is information not intended to influence your personal views. The podcast is not a research report, but our personal views on the topics discussed. It is intended to serve as digestible information.